We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. This episode is presented by Tri-State Cadillac Dealers. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post. Next up, we have award-winning actor, Aldis Hodge, who's played roles in One Night in Miami, Showtime's City on a Hill, and Black Adam, which will be released later this year. Coming up, I talked to Aldis about the people who inspired him creatively in his career, how he overcame rejection in Hollywood because of his skin color, and why he feels passionate about using his voice to elevate issues like voting rights and women's equality. Up next, Aldis Hodge. Let's go. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post, a show where we cover trends in fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything in between. Download the podcast right now. Refer a friend, a co-worker, a family member. Leave a five-star rating. And also, I want to thank you again all of our listeners because it happens because of you getting that good old-fashioned soul food you guys got the show nominated for a people's choice podcast award that's right i said it the renaissance man is officially up for consideration in both entertainment and best black hosted categories the winner is going to be announced september 30th And if you happen to be a voter and you listen to this show, I know you voting. But tell your friends who are also voting to definitely represent for the Renaissance Men. Appreciate the love and support. This week's theme is live on purpose. There's a saying that goes, excellence is never an accident. It's always the result of high intention, sincere effort and intelligent execution. In other words, be intentional when making decisions in your life. Of course, in reality, living with intention is often easier said than done. I get it. It's easy to get stuck on autopilot and live out of habit. And it's not always clear 
what you or I may want out of life. But like most of the themes I talk about on this show, on this podcast that's been nominated for a People's Choice Award, you can start with a small step and build from there. For example, you can start by being mindful of the media you consume. Doing something you can be proud of. Asking why before you buy or prioritizing rest and self-care. That electronic device you have in your hand, it's called a cell phone. In the applications you open on a daily basis, you spend a lot of time doing it. I spend a lot of time doing it. Ask yourself, how often am I on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, watching television? What parts of your day are you not consumed by media that you're just focusing on your goals, your dreams, and doing what you can to be the best version of yourself? Because living with purpose means finding the courage to let things go that may no longer serve you and to pursue things that actually make you feel happy and alive. My next guest knows all about that. Aldis Hodge is a multi-talented actor, artist, and advocate who has risen through the ranks of Hollywood and made thoughtful choices on and off screen, including resisting black stereotypes. Coming up, I talked to Aldis about navigating the entertainment industry since he was a shorty, since he was a child. What it was like to get the call directly and work with Dwayne The Rock Johnson on their upcoming movie, Black Adam, and how important it is for him to represent our black culture intentionally to the world. Up next, Aldis Hodge. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post, a show where we cover trends in fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything in between. My next guest is all about that. He's a SAG award-winning actor who has built a dynamic career as a versatile performer in both film and television, but it's more. He's also an entrepreneur, a watchmaker, and an executive producer. Season three of his Showtime series, City on the Hill, is out right now. And his new film, Black Adam, will debut later this year with The Rock. It is my honor to welcome the multi-talented Aldis Hodge to the Renaissance hey. Man podcast. <laughs> What's happening, man? Appreciate What's you having my brother? me on. I'm chilling, I appreciate man. I'm the good. love. I'm a huge hey. fan of yours. You are an ascending voice and a superstar talent. And so I want to ask you, what was it like growing up in North Carolina? And when did you realize you wanted to start acting? So actually, like my, my, we were, 
born on the base out there. Uh, my brother and I, both of our parents were Marines. So we kind of got moved around a little bit. So born in North Carolina. Um, then we moved. We actually got relocated to uh, Kaneohe in, Oahu, in uh, Oahu. And mm-hmm. then we ended up in Jersey, right? Jersey, New York. Um, if anybody was out there, they know what it's like, Brick City. Um, right. My brother, Edwin Hodge, who's uh, a little older than me, when he was three years old, he was looking in the TV. He kept telling mom he wanted to be in the box. So the box was the television. She kind of mm-hmm. figured it out and got it. So she, you know, supporting his dreams, got him set up with getting in the industry first. And then I just followed suit. And I tell the story all the time, but it's actually true. There was a photo shoot he was doing, I, I believe I want to say for either Ebony or, or Essence magazine. And they needed an extra kid. I was there. So my mom, you know, she put me on and, you know, took a couple of photos. And after that, oh, you know, you're on your best behavior, did a good job. You know, we're going to go celebrate. Got me a Batman toy. And I was like, hold up. So if I hit these jobs, I can get my Batman weight up. So <laughs> really, I, I was, you know, three years old, just trying to follow my brother doing what uh, he thought was cool because I thought it was cool. And I was just trying to get Batman toys. And I actually built up a nice little stock. Oddly enough, uh, my love of superheroes is what got made me pursue the industry. And now <laughs> I'm, I'm donning the, the, the superhero cape uh, in two different ways, you know. Uh, and uh, I just feel like it's crazy how full circle things come around. Absolutely. And you alluded to it, but I want to stress it. You're dominating two universes, the DC <laughs> yeah. one and the power one, yeah. <laughs> yeah. literally killing the game. So for you, mm-hmm. who were some of the people, obviously your brother, that inspired you in the industry as you started to realize that you wanted to pursue entertainment? So it was always, uh, my brother was really kind of my true North star primarily, and Growing up, I remember watching performances like uh, Don Cheadle playing Mouse in uh, Devil in a Blue Dress. And because that was one of my mother's favorite performances, it, was, it then became one of mine. And I was like, dang, I want to play a role like that that captures or captivates somebody like that one day. You know what I mean? So a big fan of his work ever since then. Um, you know, grew up with Lost Boys, Goonies. Mm. uh and then later on came into like Crash, Man on Fire, uh, Training Day. You know, there are all these pivotal moments from these scenes, uh, I mean, from these films that I look at from a creative standpoint as actor, but producer, writer. I want to create the moments for the audience that, that lives with them. So it was really a pursuit of creating impactful art. Uh, it probably sounds a bit, you know, uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, it's cliche, smart and strategic but, is what it sounds you know, like but uh that's that's what it is for me because i think what we do with our work is that we're having a conversation with the audience one that lasts uh and supersedes our own selves our own existence so for me i'm trying to figure out how i can keep that conversation going in ways that are inviting engaging and then also are changing the way you know because I've been in this game over 33 years. Mm. I've seen different layers of it. I've played all positions. You know, I, I used to do background work. I've done modeling, print, commercials, all that. Uh, mm. I've seen the industry before 
the injection of social media and reality TV in a huge way. And I saw what happened afterwards. So I see the changes. And, you know, basically as an artist, you're always trying to maintain relevance. How do you evolve and change and and grow with the times, but really stay ahead of the times and and maintain your unique nature? And uh, it becomes a tougher conversation on a daily. (laughs) You know what I mean? Uh But um, I've been really lucky and fortunate in my career to get up to bat with some really awesome opportunities that, you know, force me to push my potential because that's what I look for. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying I'm trying to get something that, you know, forces me to change and forces right. me to be completely mm-hmm. other than who I am. Well, you've become almost like a unicorn or a snowflake in the space <laughs> because, as you mentioned, you do so many things like a Swiss Army knife and you're versatile. Yeah. But when we want to get into entertainment, in particular, black kids, a lot yeah. of times we say we want to be an athlete. We want to be an entertainer. But I want to talk to you about the turbulent times when you yeah. were talking about this goal. You were talking about these dreams and nobody believed in you. I want to oh, yeah. I want I want to take you back to the times where you were trying to get in and got denied <laughs> and how you were able to overcome that for the audience. Sure, sure. Uh, well, thank God to moms. Moms, Dukes. Uh, my mother has a fantastic uh, drive and, and, and sort of a hustle and ambition. Um, her ambition for my brother and I always with the industry growing up was that the industry was the privilege, never the priority. Education was always the priority. Mm. She was like, you can read them. You can you can have all the money in the world, but if you don't know how to read them contracts, <laughs> you know. <laughs> right. So she she gave us uh, sort of uh, groundings for fortitude um, when it came to the home base, and you know, with the industry, they try to strip a lot of who you are from you and tell you you need to be something different so you can fit into their mold. I tell everybody when you jump into this industry, there's a couple things. First of all, you're not trying to fit anything. You're trying to you're not even trying to do anything. Just be you mm. and 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 do what naturally speaks to you. But also as an artist, if you're trying to sit here, be rich and famous, go do something else. Don't waste your time. Mm. If you're trying to contribute something to the craft, there's where you're going to find your dedication because you will starve for a minute. You will have times you can't pay your bills. You will sacrifice. Mm. Is it worth it at the end of the day when you know what you're doing? So every time I went into a room as a kid, I'd be like eight, nine, 12 years old walk into a room and cast would tell me, well, no, you're too dark. Mm. I mean, I'd be seven years old, coming home crying or whatever, you know, 10, whatever. And my mom would tell me, don't worry, baby. One of these days they're going to love your black skin. Mm. You know what I mean? But that's what they, they, they would really, you know, that's what we go through, you know, for mm-hmm. the black and brown community when it comes to the lack of opportunity. Um, I would, because my brother and I were uh, articulate, um, you know, we go into rooms and people are like, well, uh, you're not black enough. <laughs> and I'm like, first of all, black is articulate. It is intellect. It is academia. It is elegance. It is all of these things. Yes. People have a set perspective because they are culturally negligent. And those are the things that you challenge in your mm-hmm. workforce. So in challenging yourself, you have to maintain your, your your moral compass. There was a time in my teenage years where all the roles or all the auditions coming my way were thug this, thug that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I was like, nah, this is, 
we're not doing this because this is not accurately representative of my people. Mm-hmm. Sure, there's a small portion of that that is a part of our culture, but it's a part of everybody's culture. Right. So that should not be the totality of what represents us and who we are on a grand scale. As mm-hmm. artists, we got to be responsible. TV goes out to the world. Mm-hmm. This is how people, some people who have never been to America, who have never engaged a black person in America, whatever, sometimes this is how they learn about us. Correct. I can't be, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it, it, you can't ever do it. I'm just saying if you're going to do it, it has to have meaning and purpose and it has to have some real merit and value. It cannot be salacious. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of times where, again, you come home crying because somebody in the room told you the wrong thing about yourself or you would try to go get a job and they want to knock you down and give you something that is menial or subpar um, because they want to continually demean your culture and use you to do it. But those are the times where you got to fight for yourself. You have to put your foot down and say, you know what? The hell with it. Mm-hmm. If I if I got to go, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. If I got to go scrub some sidewalks just to get by, mm-hmm. I'm not going to just take a, a, a handout that will eventually do far more damage later um, than the damage I can feel now, which is, you know, I can't eat. You know, my family and I, we done been homeless a few times. We used to live in our car like that's nothing. I'm not going back to that. Don't get me wrong. We're not going back. At <laughs> you all. know what I'm saying? Right. Um, but you're not scaring me with the idea that, oh, I'm just not going to get this job. And that's something that artists and performers have to overcome because it's so tied into really to their, their means of sustenance, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they have to look past their fear in order to see their future. Mm, that's well said. And yeah. I appreciate how you still have a consciousness to use your voice about oh, things you. that you're passionate about, in particular, voting and the John <laughs> yeah. Lewis Voting Act. Why is it so yeah. important to you to make sure you acknowledge to people how important it is to vote? So for me, we'll start with the base of just using your voice for something. Uh, a lot of people feel imprisoned by their the constraints of, of their world. Oh, I'm working and I'm going to be judged. Or I'm trying to get this. So I can't do this. I can't say this. I understand you have to handle things with a, a bit of a, a decorum when it comes to the environment you're in and what you're trying to produce out of said environment. But you still can't do it. You have to find the right way. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to voting, That's something that for us as citizens, you know, that is the base. It's not the only weight of the power that we have when it comes to influencing change, but it's the base. It's the start of our power with a lot of things, voting at the high levels and then voting at the local levels. You know, voting is more important at the local level because it happens quite more often than quite a bit more often than, than, you know, voting every four years or whatever for President, president, vice president. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Voting in the local. Exactly. You're talking about like your judges and you know, <laughs> you know, like all, all the people that actually micromanage the moves, the major moves every day. You want to affect policy, and and when it comes to uh, how we're dealt with uh, criminal case, criminal offenses versus civil offense, mm-hmm. you know, you got to deal with your judges. Pay attention to their history. Look at what's happening. See if they can get knocked out and get the right person in. Because, mm-hmm. you know, some of these cats are looking at sideways like, bro, why did you make that call? We right. shouldn't have to fight 
for simple justice. We shouldn't have to, to like, there's no reason that a brother should be sitting in jail for life off a couple ounces of weed, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, I mean, look, it's, it's what it comes down to is investing and playing a real role in, in terms of community and team when it comes to the idea of future. A lot of people don't necessarily have hope. Sometimes they feel like my vote won't matter because when they do vote and they see the things that do still happen, it's like, well, where's the change? I'm exhausted. And truthfully, yeah, culturally, societally, we are exhausted. I can tell you that. Mm-hmm. But you got to push past your potential, push past that exhaustion to reach that next point because we still got work to do. It's very important. We got to play a hand in our own futures. We got to be involved, you know, participate in the potentially future. That's just what it is. And I still believe voting has power to to uh, to a point of really affecting change at some point. We got to stay involved. Absolutely. And in Roe versus Wade being, mm. you know, uh, guess, uh, stripped is the term I'll use from women. It reminds me of a 2017 post that you did actually. And your post said, this is what a feminist looks like. (laughs) So in what's everything that's going on in the world today, what do you feel like we as men can do to support women's equality? Get out the way. Mm. Get out the way. Mm. If it doesn't, affect you directly, right? What you are is a spectator. You're not a commentator. You're not the deciding hand on it. We would have to go to the 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 women and say, look, what do y'all feel is the right move here? What is best for you in these situations? There is no reason that a woman could get assaulted, get pregnant, and then legally be sued by the person who assaulted her or go to prison if she tries to have an abortion. Mm. You have to think about the impact on her. What happens to her mentality? What happens to her spirit? And granted, it is a, a, a divisive issue, but your motives on said issue, your beliefs on said issue, because of your standards or your situation rather does not apply to every single person individually because it is an individual issue. Mm -hmm. That is my belief. Now, whether I would make or not make a choice or decision based on that, that's on me, Mm -hmm. but I have the freedom and the right to make that choice because I'm on a whole different side and I'm not affected the way that they're affected. You know what I'm saying? It's about if, if, if we are, truly a democracy where everybody has freedom (laughs) you know you really have to continually push for what freedom is we have to as a culture as a nation define freedom and set the tone if that's what we're gonna you know hang our hat on and rolling back roe v wade is the exact antithesis of the definition of freedom to me so that's again when you talk about voting you talk about trying to have faith in in the country and, and have faith in the people we empower to lead us our i uh you know i e our uh you know politicians and, and whatnot 
we look to y'all to do the work. And for me, this may be a bit contrived, but as a voter, I see myself as a a, a, a macro piece of a CEO or I'm a board. I'm on a board of directors. Yeah. I voted for you. I put you in a position. Yeah, I write, absolutely. I'm looking for ROI. Where's my return on investment? Correct. I need you to do the job. <laughs> you know what I mean? Correct. Um, but then again, along with that, you're going up against uh, a great percentage of a nation that also doesn't agree with the same more. But I think we can all have a baseline for what freedom looks like. And we need to figure that out in a big way. And we need to figure it out fast because there's a lot of people who are dealing with suffrage at the behest of somebody's glorified version of what mm. the perfect scenario looks like. But it may be perfect for them, but not for somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's well said and heroic because mm. you and I know how this works. Every time we mm. speak and it's not about entertainment or sports. There's going to be somebody on the sideline. Like, we just want to watch you act. We just yeah. want to see you entertain. We really don't care about your opinion. And so it's refreshing to me that you don't care about that. You know, you know, I, I take it back to, uh, I believe, um, I forget. I, oh, I it was when someone told LeBron to shut up and play. Mm-hmm. It's a taxpaying citizen. <laughs> you know, shut up and play. No, 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 no. I have every right to a voice. And you think that just because there's a, a degree of success, you'll never know because you don't know what my life is, but there's a degree of success or, you know, fame. And, you know, you think there's a, a bit of ease to what my life looks like. You think I should just be comfortable with that? Go somewhere, sit down and shut up. No, 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 no. The most threatening thing for some people is to go up against someone who is free from or liberated from the weight of um, the weight of living to appease other people's mm-hmm. motives, right? right? I live to do me. I'm completely autonomous and I'm doing my thing. And when you have somebody who understands and sort of encompasses what that power is, engages that power, uses that platform, they become a threat because now you have influence. Mm-hmm. And there should never be a time for entertainers or public figures to feel marginalized or, or you know, pressure to be silent because mm-hmm. oh this is going to affect my pockets mostly it will mm-hmm. sometimes but i have a right to it because at the end of the day regardless of what i do or how i get down i'm still a taxpaying citizen mm-hmm. i still am entitled to my civil rights mm-hmm. and i still got to fight to keep those civil rights mm-hmm. so i'm gonna I'm speak up you know people think oh al I, you know you shouldn't say this and shouldn't say that because you know you're on I mean, look at you. You're on TV. You got a good life. Da, da, da. Yeah, but every day I walk in the world, I'm still a black man who deals yeah. with things that affect black men and black people. Yeah. Right. So I am not absolved or removed from any of those issues just because you saw me on a TV show or do a movie. Mm-hmm. I still walk into the real life and deal with the, the way the world really looks at me daily. Mm-hmm. You talking to a brother who grew up in, in Jersey and 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 the streets was rough, but mm-hmm. you know, I grew up with a, around a lot. <laughs> and right. what I know is that showed me the truth of the world and how the world sees me. 
Mm-hmm. So I'm going to always carry that with me. I'm never going to forget how the world sees me. I admire that, and especially as somebody that was seven, eight years old that was told that you were too black, and then when you got <laughs> educated, you weren't black enough. No. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? How, <laughs> right? It's I'm crazy like, how you, that works. Do you know how smart our people are? Do you know about how we... We 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 culturally have been removed one from the identity of the foundation of this nation, right? Um, and that's because there's a, a great blight, a shame there that so many still don't want to deal with, but we have to deal with it um, in order to. And, and the thing is, if we do deal with it in the right way, in an honest and direct way. You're going to see much more cohesive cultural integration. You're going to see a lot more people who are empathetic. And I think a lot more people who are culturally aware so that we can move forward in a much better and and, and collective way. But if you want to keep hiding it and pretending it's not there, there, that's where division comes. That's where uh, entitlement is bred, right? Mm -hmm. So you, you, you kind of have to really understand what that is. But as far as black culture we are naturally intelligent Mm. we we have to figure out how to survive in some of the most perilous situations and to say that is not to say that any other culture is less intelligent this is this ain't got nothing to do with nobody else i'm just talking about us to us that is the standard that's the metric so we figure out what we got to do and we use what we have to use within the situations. And granted, like I said, coming from the hustle, I know what that side is. Sometimes you don't see the fruit mature, the fruit of somebody's mind mature because they don't see the options that they have. They're not aware. If it was not for my mother, I would not know the options that I had. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, at a later stage in my life and, and, and building my relationship with my father, who, who's an awesome person, you know, I get to understand his wisdom and his perspective on, you know, what things to avoid and how to keep moving forward and the consequences of certain things. So a lot of people don't know their options. They don't see the options because they don't see the, the representation reflected. You know, we grow up looking at cats that don't look like us and they tell us, oh, you know what, you need to go be like him. First of all, some of these cats used to own black people. Like, I don't want to be like him. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. But, but you know, how do you expect me to grow up looking at myself as more than mm. when you don't look at me as more than? Mm. We have to fabricate this. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So we need the examples. That's why it's in important for us and, and to, to keep speaking, you know, for this why important for you to have this podcast, you know, to have a real conversation. Cause you know, a lot of times black people see, you know, other black folks who are successful and they think, Oh damn, you got lucky. You so lucky, man. Mm, I could never be that. No, nah. mm. we all have different pathways, but we all have the potential to be what we want to be, do what we want to do and does take a degree of luck, but it's really a whole lot of hard work and you can, that's all we need to know is that you can, you should, you will, if you want to, you know what I mean? Absolutely. But they just sometimes don't know it and don't see it. And if it were not for my mother, I never would have saw it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's well said. And it's crazy because when you talk about that, that level of awareness and exposure, 
I saw you recently do an interview. I think you were on CBS. And oh, really? you were spitting crazy knowledge. But your <laughs> arms was what was trending. <laughs> right? Like I'm like, this brother spitting all of this knowledge. You know what I'm saying? And his arms is trending. So hey, for you, and of course, you. like, we'll take it. I mean, it's lo love is love. You know, you sex symbol. Yeah. You bought your fashion. You bought your watch game. All I, of I, that. Got, I got the arms covered up today. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no doubt. What was it like for you? And we just talked about, you know, our heritage. And yeah. you're, a co you're a comic book fan. So All what day. was it like for you doing research for a character that you're going to play as Hawkman in the new movie, Black <laughs> Adam? Man, that's a dream, bro. It's a dream. I, you know, definitely I'm a kid in the candy store, man. When it came to that, I was like, oh, my job is I have to read comics. Uh, bet. Like, we good. You know what I'm saying? Because I grew up on so many different great characters in, in the comic book universe. But I'll be honest, my knowledge of Hawkman and his history wasn't as, as you know, as far along as with some others. So when I really dug into his deep history, I was like, wow, this brother's amazing. First of all, talk about a soldier and a warrior. He's a savage. He's a beast. He's intelligent, <laughs> smart as hell, strong as hell, can fight. He's raw, like doesn't take no crap, but he has a really complicated and conflicted history that I love because I really want to tap into what that is his his history from how he came about uh the reason that he constantly reincarnates his history with hawk girl like mm -hmm. it's so much you know they, they they really painted a great backstory for this brother so when i got it and i was like oh yeah it absolutely makes sense like let's let's get this going i mean the rock is you know one of the biggest superstars in entertainment so what was yeah. it like for you when somebody like that has to reach out to you at some point like <laughs> yeah. yo we about to be working together we gonna be on set like yeah. what was it like just working with the rock it was crazy i mean he did call me to tell me that i got the job and when that happened i was like wow this is a real moment this is a career you know what i'm saying because usually you're waiting on a call from your agent your manager and all that and you know when i got the call from dj i was like damn like First of all, I can tell that, like, damn, that's cool. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But, you know, for me, the way I am with people in the industry, because, again, I've been in the game 33 years, and I'm still hustling to get to a certain point. Uh, I, I, I measure my merit based on who I'm around. I feel like if I'm in the company of, I am like-minded or like the company mm -hmm. of. So, and I'm always trying to figure out how to learn to get to that next stage. So I surround myself with teachers. And the moment that I learned that I was going to be working with DJ, I was like, this brother's a machine, you know, and this is a grand teacher when it comes to a lot of things as far as business, uh, juggling, you know, business. I mean, the first question I asked him, I said, my man, we need to, we need to talk. Uh, when we got <laughs> on set, I was like, how do you manage your time? Because I do a lot of stuff mm -hmm. and I'm trying to, you know, figure out how to manage it all well. Right. Because you can do a whole lot, but if it's not getting handled, Correct. you know, but, you know, he's got this space as a businessman, as a business magnet. He is managing everything to a point of success that is married and all all you know, ships are rising. You know, he's got the tequila, he's got the TV show, he's got, you know what I'm saying? So 
when I look at multi-hyphenates like that, I'm like, all right, what can I learn here? This is really, you know, you you, you as an artist and as a, as a businessman, you have to be a consummate student, constantly learning and surround yourself around people who are going to teach you the right lessons. And I just thought it was a grand opportunity that came to me from, you know, the universe, from God, from whoever was like, yo, I'm going to sit you in the seat. You're going to sit, you're going to watch, you're going to learn. And, uh, you know, it's watching him. It's his whole team. Everybody is fire. Everybody's like on point. They run a really tight ship. And, you know, I really had a wonderful time rocking with, with the team because I was able to sit back and say, OK, I'm going here in my career. I got a production company with my family, House Rose Productions. We try to figure out how do we, we handle in our business. We just mm-hmm. produced a film. You know, we're editing right now. And it's like, I right, how do we manage that on top of managing all these other things and it just was great to just kick back and, and learn mm-hmm. so that's the real opportunity that i saw for myself a little selfish but you know it is what it is no um, question, no question. <laughs> you know what i mean i'm like yo teach me you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. Te- teach your boy absolutely and, and a lot of it is just sitting back to watch you know how mm-hmm. people operate so uh yeah no nah, dj's mad cool though he's mad mm-hmm. cool and not only is this a podcast, I'm also going to write a column about this interview because I appreciate you taking the time and seeing oh, your framed copy of it. But Thank before you. I let you get out of here, I have a rapid fire segment called Gone in 60 Seconds, let's get presented it. by Tri-State Cadillac Dealers. You ready to do this? All right, let's, let's get it, Tri-State. Let's, let's get, get it. it. You're about to be a part of the DC Comics universe. Yeah. Who was your favorite superhero character growing up? Well, everybody knows it was Batman. Batman got me in the game. Batman was was the man. So Batman was first. Mm. Batman was first. I got a few others, but Batman was first. <laughs> Name one actor you haven't worked with that you love to. I mean, I already spoke on Don Cheadle, but absolutely Don Cheadle. Mm. Yeah, Don Cheadle um, or Gary Oldman. Mm. We looking mm. to make that happen. Mm-hmm. You're a talented watch designer. What is one piece of advice you could share with someone buying a watch that knows nothing about them? <laughs> Don't buy for investment. Buy for love. Mm. Buy because the piece speaks to you. You know, and uh, I buy for keeps always. I, you know, I, I, uh, it's simply that you're buying a mechanical piece of art, something that has legacy potential to pass down to you know your kids or whatever, but buy because you actually love the art it's not about what you can get from it or what it can do for you it's about what it makes you feel so buy because you love it besides you and your brother Hmm. who are the best tandem acting brothers in the game oh (laughs) dang uh other brothers out there who else you see you and your brother like oh okay we see y'all doing y'all thing you know what? I gotta say, just on respect to the legacy, the Wayne's family. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I mean, granted, you know what I'm saying? Like I grew up watching the Wayne's family and how they move. You know, you see in Living Color, Keenan put his people on and, and yeah. Living Color put on legends. Legends. I mean, Jamie Foxx, Jim Carrey, like you know what I'm saying? David like, Allen Greer. David Allen Greer, uh Tommy Davidson, like mm-hmm. how did you find all these people you know what i'm saying but the way that they moved as a family in totality you know uh you know you got marlon and sean on their show 
and just the whole family that you know what I mean, the way they handle it. What other entertainment family have you seen do Preach. that in the numbers? Preach. It was Preach. all of them. Kim, Preach. it was all of all them of that them. was getting it. So for for just respect, I gotta put the put the respect on that legacy right there. That's a great answer. And lastly, but certainly not least, and I appreciate you taking the time. What is the biggest thing you look forward to fans seeing when we go check out Black Adam? <laughs> oh my God. I, I, I just want fans to see everything, but I'm gonna tell you, I, I tell you, I'm a fan fan. I love comics. I watch all the superhero movies, all, all that. What y'all are gonna get is something incredible and it's going to be something you're not even expecting mm. dj does this thing mm. but the entire cast is on fire and i, I gotta shout my people out i gotta shout wow. out quintessa swindell yep. noah uh centineo mm. of course pierce Bro it's pierce brosnan bro mm. pierce brosnan sarah uh, uh, uh we we got mo amer we got uh bodhi sabang we got marwan like everybody does their thing and I'm talking about the shift in tone, the action sequences. Our director, John McCullough, Sarah, that brother put it down. His vision on this was, was incredible. So I'm excited for people to get a new perspective mm -hmm. on what the future of DC looks like. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you taking the time, my brother. It's been my honor. Looking forward to supporting all of your projects coming up and keep Thank killing you. the game. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you. Last call. Last call. I'd like to thank Aldis for stopping by the podcast. He is such a powerful voice in his creative space and beyond. The sky's the limit, and I can't wait to see what he does next. One thing, though, that stood out about my conversation with him is how ready he is to dissect and speak about things that may be uncomfortable to others in particular, issues in America today. It's really refreshing to hear an accomplished person like him talk about so many things outside of just his quote-unquote industry. All this is a citizen of this country and an advocate for change. Talking with him is a great reminder that voting is power. When you are able to vote, you are doing your part to become a change maker. The late, great John Lewis said it best. The vote is precious. It's almost sacred. As a matter of fact, it is the most powerful nonviolent tool that we have in a democratic society. When was the last time you made your voice heard through your ballot? Find out who your local representatives are. Be involved, be informed, be engaged. Make meaningful contributions on your way to greatness. I'm the Renaissance Man. See you next week.